Good morning, everyone. How you guys doing? Good. Happy to be here today. Amen. Uh, Pastor Jason and Pastor Liz are away today, but they will be back next week. So just keep them in your prayers. And um, I'm looking forward to today. I really feel like the Holy Spirit wants to do something in us um, a little different today. And so we're just going to really flow with him and with how he wants to lead and with how he wants to. Uh, I've been talking about the consuming fire and just how he wants to bring that fire, his fire, into our hearts today. And so just be prepared. Ask the Lord to open up your ears and your eyes and your hearts as you worship and just let him speak to you. Amen? Amen. If you could all stand with me if you're able to. We are going to read from Psalm 100. Once it's on the screen here. There we go. All right, I'm going to read this and then we're going to enter into worship. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Amen? Amen. Let's worship. Hallelujah. We'll just stay in this state of worship. I'm going to read Philippians 2. Um, We'll start in verse 5. Says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. And being found in a human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. I want to sing a little bit more of this song again. Every knee will bow to the name of Jesus. That includes, that includes every demonic knee. Every entity of the enemy that wants to come and accuse, that wants to come and distract, that wants to come and destroy you. Every bit of anxiety and fear and worry, it has to bow at the name of Jesus. And this is a great opportunity for us whatever you're going through in your life right now, whatever you're dealing with, whatever your struggle is, I want to encourage you as we sing this to declare the name of Jesus in the most bold and powerful way that you can and let the name of Jesus bring peace to you and conquer those things because this is what the Lord has for us. Amen? All right, so let's sing that again. 
and just dive into him a little bit more. Jesus is so sweet. It's so sweeter than honey. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Just say, we love you, Jesus. We love you. We love you, Jesus. You are welcome here, Jesus. We love you. We worship you. We adore you. We exalt your name. We confess your name. We bow to you. We bow our hearts to you, Jesus. We bow ourselves to you, O God. You are the King of kings, Lord Jesus. You are the Lord of lords. There is no one above you, no one greater than you. Your name is higher than all names. And we surrender to you, Jesus. We yield our hearts to you, Jesus. Lead us and guide us, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Worthy is the Lord. Hallelujah. feels good to be in his presence. We're going to take some time and we're going to enter into the Lord's Supper together. Take a moment to remember his death for us. This is a sacred time for us as believers. This is not something that we should take lightly. As we just read, he laid down his whole life for us. Amen. He shed his his blood for us. His body was broken for us. And so this is a very special time. Um, There's two plates. The cups, if you are new here, they're double cups. So just pick up one set of cups. There's a piece of bread in the bottom cup and juice in the top. If you're gluten-free, there is a plate in the center center of the table for gluten-free bread. And if you could just come down these two center aisles here and then just wrap around or back this way into your seats and then we'll come back and partake together. Today I uh, just... The Lord, as I've been preparing for this week, just really felt the Lord uh, stirring my heart for a word that he wants to bring today of just holiness and repentance and really examining our lives. So before we partake and read from the passage that we do in 1 Corinthians 11, At the end of that passage, I want to read this. It says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and and some have died But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we we may not be condemned along with the world. And so let's take a few moments before we take together and examine your hearts. We'll examine our hearts together. 
Ask the Holy Spirit, what is it in me that needs to be repented of? What do I need to ask forgiveness for? Maybe you know. What do I need to change? Take this moment and just be with him and ask him and repent. And then we'll come back together and we'll eat together. Father, we humble our hearts before you. Jesus, we exalt your name. We ask you to purify us, Father, with your fire. God, we repent of our sins, of every wicked way, of every evil thought, of every vain word, of every selfish ambition, of every prideful haughtiness of our attitudes. Oh God, we repent of all of our sin. Cleanse us, oh God. For we want to honor you and glorify you for what you did for us. There is no one who could save us except for you, and you did it. And there is no one who could save like you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Go ahead and eat the bread together. And we'll take the juice. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us drink. Until he comes, he's coming back. Amen. We're going to worship. We have another song. The altar is open. Feel free to come up and uh, kneel if you would like. But let's worship him with everything we have. great peace in knowing he has overcome. He has won the battle. He has won the war. There is great peace. As we were singing that, the Lord brought up John 14 to me, talking about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He's also, in other translations, it's called the helper, but also the comforter. He is our helper. He is our comforter. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Amen. The Lord has peace for you today and comfort 
I love how the Lord leads because he can give a, he can speak deeply to us and convict our hearts, but he always does it in a, in a place of love and peace and gentleness. He's always so good in how he leads us because he is the good shepherd. Amen? So everybody just take a deep breath and breathe in his presence. Father, we thank you for your peace. Jesus, for your peace that passes understanding. We thank you for the comforter, for the Holy Spirit. We thank you. Everybody just say, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. We thank you that you always meet us when we draw near to you. We thank you that you always hear us when we call out to you. We thank you that you do not withhold from us your love and your goodness and your kindness and your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you also for your correction, Father, because it means that we are your children. We belong to you. You do not let us go. You do not fail us. Thank you so much, Jesus. We thank you so much, Jesus. We thank you so much, Jesus. Well, we're going to move into a time of greeting here, but I encourage us all just to keep this spirit that's here right now. Um, if this is your first time here, we are so glad that you are here today. Again, my name is Pastor Andy. Pastor Jason and Pastor Liz are the senior pastors. They're not here today, but they will be back next week. They say hello and they love you, and uh, they cannot wait to be back. Um, during this time, we're going to greet. There are a couple other things you can do. Uh, if you are a member of this church and uh, would like to give, you can come up and place your offering in these buckets up here uh, during this time or in the box in the back on the wall. Uh, for our kids, um, the littles will be open now. That's four through six years of age. Uh, nursery is open during the whole service. And we have our kid corner over here. My good friend Mike is staffing it right now. So if you are ages 7, I think up to 11 or 12, you can go over and grab a bag. We have guest bags if this is your first time here. Otherwise, you know where your bag is at. And uh, that is just something to keep the kids in here occupied as they uh, listen with us to God's Word. Um, another thing is, if you are new here, uh, we have what's called a connection card somewhere in the seats in front of you. Please fill those out and let us know that you're here. We'll send you an email just welcoming you to our church. There is a place there also for prayer requests and praise reports. Please fill those out. Let us know what you need prayer for. I send out a prayer email to our prayer team every week. And um, yeah, we just pray. So I'll pray for you and let us know of what God is doing in your life. And um, yeah, testimonies that he's working in you. So, all right. I think that's about it. Everyone can get up and say hello to your neighbor and enjoy this time. Thanks, Andy. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. All right. Sorry, I just breathed right into that microphone. My little 
spicy today on this, or am I feeding back? That's all I'm asking. Spicy. All right, for offering this morning, I'm going to read from the same passage that we pulled from last week, from 2 Corinthians 9, and I'm going to read verses 6 through 9. It says, the point is this, this is the Apostle Paul, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Amen? It's an encouraging word. He promises to provide for us and take care of us and meet our needs so that way we can do good works. Amen? And I love how he talks about sowing sparingly and uh, uh, reaping sparingly or sowing bountifully and reaping bountifully because it doesn't pertain to the amount of money. It pertains to your heart condition. You know, $5 is a lot of money for a little child. It's not so much for us, but for them, it's huge. And so that's what the Lord is talking about. Live a generous life. So I want to encourage us, live generously, so bountifully into uh, the kingdom of God, into the people in your life, into strangers that the Lord touches your heart to give to, and trust him to, to provide for every good work in your life. Amen? So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you sow freely into us, you give freely to us, and so we surrender our hearts and we want to imitate you and also sow freely and give freely and bountifully, Lord, as you lead us and just to always have that heart, Lord God. And so we ask you to stir our hearts for this and we ask you to bless every gift that is given, Lord, multiply it for your use, show us and give us wisdom on how to use every dollar and penny that comes into uh, this church Father God, for your glory and to build your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So, last week we started talking about God as a consuming fire. And we've done a lot of attributes of God. We've been talking about the attributes of God. You can see them up there. Infinite, immutable, love, good, wise, faithful, merciful, gracious, Jealous, just, holy, protective, patient. And then we started, God is a consuming fire. And um, this message has really uh, been stirring in my heart for a number of years now. I spoke about how the Lord just really started talking to me about that when I was laying in my bed and I asked him, you know, why do people spend eternity in fire? And so um, he said it was all about who he is, his identity, it's, it's his attribute that he is a consuming fire. Deuteronomy 4.24 says, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. And we talked about jealousy. But he is a consuming fire. And so we looked at a number of verses that revealed the physical appearance of God as fire. Um, there's a lot of them. 
I encourage you to go to BibleGateway.com or BlueLetterBible.com, type in fire, and it will, you'll see many more verses than what I shared. Um, we talked about how God created us in his image to be one with him, one with the fire, how God created us to always dwell in fire, in unity with him, and how God makes his servants into a burning flame of fire. We talked about Psalm 104, uh, verse 4. It says, he makes his messengers winds, his ministers, which is also translated servants, a flaming fire. How many of you are servants of the Lord? Amen? Okay. And then we talked about how only those who are one with the fire will be able to dwell with God as the consuming fire. Isaiah 33, 14 through 16 says, The sinners of Zion are terrified, trembling grips the godless. Who of us can dwell with the consuming fire? Who of us can dwell with everlasting burning? Those who walk righteously and speak what is what is right, who reject gain from extortion and keep their hands from accepting bribes, who stop their ears against plots of murder and shut their eyes against contemplating evil. They are the ones who dwell on the heights, whose refuge will be the mountain fortress. Their bread will be supplied and water will not fail them. And so as we went through, um, we answered that question, why will people who don't know Jesus dwell in eternity in an eternity of a burning lake of fire, and it's because everyone is going to dwell in fire, but only the righteous will be one with the fire, and be able, they will become flames of fire, as we just read. And so it will not harm those who know Jesus, because we will be the fire. We will be like him. We will be the shining ones, as my friend Rory pointed out. We are going to shine like the brightness of the stars. You know, fire at its hottest becomes white. And so we are going to be radiant and glorious, just like Jesus. And all those who do not know Jesus, they will also dwell in fire, but they will not be able to become one with the fire at that point. And they will feel the, that, the consuming fire upon them, the wrath of God that comes upon them. And so there is nothing more important than becoming one with the fire. Amen? There's nothing more important than becoming one with the fire. Who here is a survivalist? Anybody go out into the wilderness and, like, test your survival skills? I like watching those survival shows. Anybody ever, anybody ever watch Alone? No? Oh, it's such a great one. They, get, they send out, like, you know, a dozen people into wherever, the wilderness of some sort, and they, they're all separated by, like, five miles. Like, you're not going to see each other. And they have to survive. And as, as they can't survive, if they can't survive, they press their satellite phone button and they come and save them but they, nobody else knows if that person like when people are removed from from the wilderness so you only know if you won when they come and tell you you won and it's like Whew. Uh, but everyone knows that when you're in the wilderness and you're trying to survive if you cannot start fire if you cannot make a fire you are not going to survive you're not going to make it you need that fire you need that fire to purify your water. You need that fire to cook your food. You need that, need that fire to stay warm. I mean, they sent people into Siberia one time I watched this season. They're in Siberia, and it started in the spring, and then it moved into the winter weather. Or, I'm sorry, into the fall. It moved into the winter weather, and, I mean, everything froze, and people, they had to quit So because they couldn't sustain uh, their fire. And... Um, 
Yeah, so how much more do we need the fire of the Holy Spirit inside of us? Amen. So today I'm going to continue talking about the fire. And guys, I really struggled this week for preparing this message. Because I spent the whole week, I had, you know, 13 good solid pages of notes for y'all. Theologically sound, you know, organized and answering question after question and teaching us about the fire. And uh, I was like pretty much finished with it on Thursday. And then I felt like, man, this thing's just lacking the fire. And so I was like, what in the world? And then it's really interesting. You know, last week I started, um, I was driving to my brother's house. And on the way to his house, there's a lot of really nice houses on the way to his house. And I started thinking about, boy, those houses are really nice. And I was like, why do we really like living in houses? And so I had houses in my mind. I'm like, why do we want houses? Why do we want to make them so gorgeous? I mean, and, and all of that. And so we're looking at, I started thinking about houses. And then the next day on Friday, or I'm sorry, um, actually earlier, no, it was probably like Friday, I was driving, and then the Lord gave, reminded me of two dreams that he gave me back in 2017 and 2018. And I just really felt like he wanted me to share them. Now, I don't really share my dreams very, very much with many people, only some people that in my life and my family and some very, very close, close, close friends because dreams are kind of personal. And, you know, when God gives you a dream, it's not always something that you just want to go share with people um, because, you know, people don't always respond to them very well. Um, and so, anyways, but I felt the Lord brought that back to me and all of a sudden I just felt like this strong sense from the Holy Spirit, like, I need to move in this direction. And so today, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of share some passages regarding the fire that uh, I feel like the Lord wants us to listen to. I'm going to share um, a couple of these dreams. And, um, you know, at the beginning of this year, at the end of last year, the Lord gave me the word preparation. And I wrote it on my whiteboard in my office and he said, you know, prepare, prepare the body of Christ, prepare the people that I've placed in your care. Because as a shepherd, you know, as a pastor, I'm a shepherd. And that's what I, my job is to care for the sheep and to um, prepare the sheep. And while also being a sheep myself, and so it's not the easiest job uh, being a pastor. And um, we all have our callings and none of us is higher or greater than the other. Uh, but this is the one that the Lord has given me. And so I have a very strong uh, desire to, from the Holy Spirit to just do whatever I can to prepare us, uh, to prepare uh, and those that are going to be coming to our church, that have come to our church gathering, um, just for the things that are to come. Um, one of the life messages the Lord has given me that I really feel strongly about is the return of Jesus and preparing for that. And I know a, a lot of Christians in general, as a, as a whole, kind of push back on, on that. You know, they're like, well, you never know the day, you know, it could be years and years from now. And it's like, well, that's what the Lord has placed in my heart because, you know, Jesus is coming back. If, if people that lived in the early 1900s all of a sudden were brought back to life and they lived right now, they would say, what in the world has happened to this world? But because we live in the world, we become no, we, have you ever heard the term nose blind or, you know, where you, you stop smelling your own stink kind of thing? 
And <laughs> that's where we're at in this world. We don't smell. We, I mean, thankfully, we have the Holy Spirit, so we do. We recognize this is not right. This is not good. Things are going way south. But in the world, people don't recognize their own stink. You know, we become blind. Uh, you know, you could be in your own house, and when you move into a brand new house, you see uh, a scrape on the wall, and you're like, whoa, the painter messed that up. But if you live there long enough and don't touch it, pretty soon that scrape just becomes a, not, a natural part of the wall, and you don't care anymore. And that's really what's happened to, uh, that's what's happening to all of us. We, it's very easy to become desensitized to the things of the world, and so today, I uh, just really feel the Lord wanting to uh, prick our hearts, to stir our hearts, to really pursue after him in a greater measure, to take seriously the warnings and the admonitions that he gives us, um, because he gives a lot of them. And um, I just, we, I really feel strongly that we need to press into that. And so today, uh, that's what we're going to do. Um, so last week we talked about how everyone will dwell in fire. Today I want to talk about how everybody will be tested by fire. Everybody will be tested by fire. And the key scripture I want to pull from today is 1 Corinthians 3. And we're going to read uh, verses 10 through 17. Paul the Apostle says this, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest or brought to light. For the day will disclose it. And that word, the day, is a specific the day, referring to the day of the Lord's return, the day of his coming, the day of the Lord. You can read all about it throughout the prophets and through the New Testament because Paul talks about it a lot as well as Peter and Jesus and John, um, the main writers. <clears throat> For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved. But only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Fire and holiness go together. The Lord makes us into flames of fire, so that way he can purify us and make us holy. The Lord says, be holy, for I am holy. The interesting thing about fire is that as fire starts it instantly starts burning whatever it's touching. And it instantly starts refining. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. So when we receive the Holy Spirit, so when we receive Jesus into our life, Jesus, uh, in, I think it's in John, he, he, after he resurrects from the dead, he breathes on his disciples and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. That is the moment that you 
come back to becoming a fire again. That is when your life become, your, when your heart becomes alive again. That is when Jesus enters in. He says, I will send the Holy Spirit. And he says, I'm going to, we're going to make our home. My father and I are going to make our home in you. And you become the temple of God. And so that fire, as soon as that fire is started back up again inside of you, it starts working to purify. That is why also when you come to Christ, you do not have to make yourself perfect to come to Jesus. Jesus, says, Jesus just says, come to me. And then when we come to him, he starts the fire, and then he starts the work inside of us to purify us and set us free. Anyway, 1 Corinthians 3, everyone is going to be tested by fire. Every work that we do will be tested by fire. Every word that we speak will be tested by fire. And it's a sobering thing. So I'm going to read a dream that the Lord gave me. And this dream, I didn't realize it until last night. So uh, it, it was given to me, the Lord gave me this dream on July 16th, 2018, exactly five years from today. And I didn't realize that until today or until last night when I was going through all of this again. Um, the Lord has given me a number of dreams in my life. And uh, so many dreams that I actually started giving, made a, a dream journal and started writing them down. So this is a dream that he gave me five years ago. And it was two dreams in one night. Said that, uh, here's how it went. In my first dream, I was in a large house, kind of like a farm-style two-story house. And in the dream, it was a church. So... The Lord had been talking to me about houses and then reminded me of this dream, and I was like, okay. Um, so this house was a church in the dream. There were segmented rooms from front to back, kind of like an alley-style house. So it looked like a big farmhouse, but when you go inside, it was like an alley-style house with rooms all the way back. The house church, well, this house slash church, uh, caught on fire in the front I started moving boxes and furniture from the front room to the next room back as frantically as possible. I was expecting the fire to be put out, and there were others helping, but I, don't, I didn't remember seeing them. The fire was moving back fast, so I moved the items to the next room back, just kept moving them back and back. Eventually, the fire caught up to me, and I had to get out, only getting a few things out of the house. Everything else was burned up. And right after I had that dream, it went right into a second dream. The second dream was like the first dream. But this time, I was just trying to get everything out. However, the fire moved fast, so fast I couldn't get anything. My brother was there, and he was standing near the house by a big glass window, not seeming worried. Don't worry, Chuck, the dream's not about you. Okay. Okay. I warned him yesterday a little bit. All of a sudden, he caught on fire. I was yelling for him to get away, but he wouldn't. When he caught on fire, he ran from the house. I ran to him and as he stopped, dropped, and rolled and helped put him out. He was okay. And that was the end of the dream. So I woke up from this dream wide awake. I was very vivid. I can still picture it in my mind to this day. And these are some of the things the Lord spoke to me. Because whenever he gives me a dream, generally... It's instant, like I get the, um, the, the meaning of it. Have, has anybody ever had dreams like that? 
Anybody? Yes. Okay. So the church in this, so the church was the uh, was a house in the dream because that's the way Christians see it. That's me too. Okay. But the church was never a house. It's people called out of the world and gathered together. The church was not meant to exist in buildings, but out in the world as light. Your persecuted brothers and sisters know this, so the Lord's speaking this to me. But the church in the West does not, with some exceptions. I'm going to remove the church from the house and get them outside to be the church. Now, I do not believe that means we stop, we're going to stop having large gatherings. It just means that he is going to get us. Uh, we spend a lot of our time, like, we, we come to church to hear the message and, you know, to be filled in, like, this is, our, this is our moment during the week. But, no, the Lord called us to go out as lights into the world. He said, don't hide your light, but shine. And he's going to pull us out into the world more and more and more. Okay. So the fire is persecution in this dream. It will come and consume. It is a trial of fire. And then he spoke to me, 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 17. And he said, only what was built and survives the fire will be rewarded. And if what you built is burned up, the builder will, the builder will suffer loss, but will be saved only as escaping by fire. You and your brother experienced the fire and were saved. Be ready for this change is coming. The fire is coming quick and will devour. In the dream, you were trying to save what you could. These items are not only the things built, but the traditions made by man and all the prideful, vain things my people see as important and that make a good church. It's all about to burn. You pray that I would make it clear who are mine and who are not. So that is a prayer that I have prayed for a long time. Father, make it clear who are yours and who are not. And he says, persecution will make it clear and the true church will rise up. Your brother was not wanting to leave. He was staying close to home even though it was burning. The body of Christ is a family just as your brother is your family. Those who are close to you, the family of God, some will not want to let go. They will be afraid of the persecution. They will be tried by fire, just as your brother was in the dream, but he escaped. There will be those who are tried by fire and burned, as well as their works, but will live and receive eternal life. There will be those who are ready for it, who are mine and have built the works of gold, silver, and precious stones, he will be, who will be like Paul and say, I want to fellowship in your sufferings and be conformed to your death. They will shine, and at the loss of everything, shine even brighter. The Lord told me, be this person. Be this follower. I'm showing you what's about to happen, so stay close to me. I am with you, and you have nothing to fear, not in life and not in death. And so the Lord gave me that dream, and I've always thought about it. Everything will be burned with fire. Every work will be tested. What are our works in this life? How are we living? I really feel the Lord just stirring my heart and wanting us to just press in even more than we ever have to seeking him. Because every day I watch, I mean, I I check the news, I don't 
watch a lot of news, but I'll check the headlines, and every day, I'm like, I kind of know what to expect. Someone's going to be murdered, there's going to be a mass shooting, there's going to be a, a bunch of agendas thrown at us, uh, uh, just political nonsense, every government is corrupt. I mean, you just can't get away from the way the world is. And, except for Jesus, of course. But the Lord is calling us to be different. To be different in every single way. The Lord's been dealing with me on things, making sure that I'm watching things that are not going to sabotage my life. What am I watching? What are the things I'm listening to that are coming through my eye gate? What are the things that I'm saying you know, how am I waking up? How am I spending my days? What am I doing? What am I putting my hand to? Do I seek him because I want to know him and love him? What, what am I doing? And so we need to respond to this understanding that everything will be tested by fire. Now, I spoke a little bit about the refining process. When fire touches something, it starts refining. Refining is the process of separating metals from the impurities surrounding it. It purifies the metal. Fire and heat are used in the refining process. So you take a piece of metal ore of some sort, you put fire to it, and it's going to either cause the metals to vaporize, so that way you can collect them away from their impurities, or the metals will melt and then leave the impurities behind. So God uses the idea of refining in how... He leads and guides us. This is what the fire does in us. So Psalm, this isn't on the screen, but Psalm 66.10 says, For you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. Daniel 12.10, speaking of the last days, he says, Many shall be purified, made white, and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Malachi 3, 2 through 3. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. The refining process. We all go through the refining process. How many enjoy the refining process? Anybody? <laughs> no, refining is hard. You know, the closer you get to a fire, the hotter it gets. You know, and the closer we get to Jesus, he's going to start his fire. Thankfully, when we get close to Jesus, you know, we don't just go up and smoke. Like, you know, it's the Holy Spirit inside of us. But that fire, the, as you spend time with Jesus and get closer to him, his fire Things that are impure in us cannot remain, and they are going to come to our attention. And that's the refining process. And he's going to say, hey, you need to stop doing that. This is not okay in your life. Get this out of your life right now. You know, we talked about, uh, you talked about uh, hindrances to healing. You know, Jesus uh, spoke to the man at the pool of Bethesda after he healed him, and he said, go and sin no more, lest something worse comes upon you. You know, those sins, he, basically saying, you know, some sickness and disease that come upon you, sometimes it's like straight up an attack of the enemy. Sometimes it is just because we are living in sin. 
And the Holy Spirit wants us to get that sin out of us because when we get the sin out of us, when we get all the impurities out of our lives, life becomes so much more free, so much more joyful, so much more life-giving. What are the sins in your life? What are the things that we're doing that are made of wood, hay, and stubble? Because the Lord is calling us to holiness. I'm going to read a fairly another, got a lot of lengthy passages, and I don't want to go too long here, but I'm going to read this. Romans 1, 18 through 32. This is uh, a lot of works of wood, hay, and stubble. And Paul gives the digression of mankind in how it happened. Let's just take a look at them. Works of wood, hay, and stubble, or straw. It says in Romans 1, this isn't on the screen, I don't think. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Those who suppress truth are unrighteous. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his, power, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of God the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So they return to idolatry. What are the things in your life that have become the idols that we worship more than God? Entertainment has been one of them for me. Can anybody else join me in that? You don't have to raise your hands. It's very easy for me at the end of the day when I should probably just go be with Jesus to sit on the couch with a bag of whatever, and watch TV. It's very easy when I feel the Lord drawing me, hey, come be with me. And I can sit there, and that's, it, it's an idol. It needs to come out. <clears throat> Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to dishonoring their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of God about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable, honorable, ugh, dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for, the, for their error. Sexual, sexual immorality is rampant in our culture, and in the whole world. Not just our culture, the culture as the world. How many of you saw Sound of Freedom? Okay, I went and saw it as well. You know, the sex trade and the uh, trafficking of children is just beyond what we want to look at. And it's awful. And it can become something that it's like, how do we fix that? It's so big. And we can do many things and we can work towards it and partner with organizations that are doing things. But truly, we need Jesus to come back. Amen. He is the only way that we will see the atrocities of this world go away. 
It is the only way. And since they did not see it fit to acknowledge God, God gave them to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. For they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, murder. Murder doesn't always mean that we have killed somebody physically. Jesus said, if you get angry with a brother for no reason, yeah, it's murdering him. That's how many, I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but I, I've been angry with people for no reason. You know? That's the same as murder to God. Strife, deceit, maliciousness, they are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. They know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, but they do them anyways and give approval to those that practice them. These are works of wood, hay, and stubble. These are things that are going to all burn up. And Paul gives us this whole list so that way we can take account. God, throughout all of his word, is constantly saying, don't do this, do this. This is how I want you to live. What are the works of gold, silver, and precious stones? Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Jesus is, talk, or is, is going to respond here. He says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Galatians 5 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Romans 13.10 Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, the love, therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. James 1.27, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. What are the spots in your life that need to come out? What are they? This is what I'm asking myself every day. How do we respond? How do we respond to this? One, daily repentance. Daily repentance. Now, repentance means this. Change your mind. That's the definition of repentance. Change your mind. How many have ever changed their mind? Yeah. I've changed my mind lots of times on things. Sometimes I can't make up my mind on which restaurant to go to. I'm like, I'm going to go to this restaurant. Mm, I'll change my mind. I'm going to go to this restaurant. In life, though, change your mind when it comes to the sins in your life. This is why David was called a man after God's own heart, because he constantly repented of his sins. All the time you see him crying out to God, forgive me, I'm, cha I'm changing. I don't want to go that way. Isaiah 55, 6 and 7 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let 
him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. John 16, 5 through 11 says, but I, Jesus says, but now I am going to him who sent me and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. The Holy Spirit convicts our hearts. How does the fire work in us? He convicts our hearts. This is different than condemnation. How many have ever felt condemned? Like just that guilt and like, I am done. Life is over. God hates me. I'm never going to overcome this sin. I'm never going to overcome anything in this life ever again. That's the condemnation. See, conviction is about awareness. And the beauty of awareness is that it is the first step towards growth and change. While condemnation has guilt and punishment attached to it, there is no wiggle room, no space to grow and change, and there is only consequences and actions. The Holy Spirit does not come at you like that. He convicts our hearts in a perfect way with his gentleness, with his kindness, with his love, but with his authority and with his power. God knows how we learn and how we, how we think. And so we need to let the Holy Spirit convict us. Ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, convict me today. Has any, that's a powerful prayer. Where do I need convicted by you, Holy Spirit? Because if your sin doesn't bother you, my brother always talks, says this, if your sin doesn't bother you, you need to question your relationship with Jesus. Amen? If you're okay with your sin, then there's a problem. Because God's not okay with it. And it means we've pulled away from the fire. And we need to, the Holy, the, Paul says to Timothy, you know, fan the flame. It's our job. The Holy Spirit comes inside of us, but we need to fan that flame of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. When you read it, it actually means like continuously be filled with the Holy Spirit. Stir up that fire. Fan that flame. So ask the Holy Spirit to do that. Number two, judge yourself and be gentle with those who are sinning. Judge yourselves. We need to judge ourselves. 1 Corinthians 11, 31 through 32, but if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that way we may not be condemned along with the world. Other verses to go with that are 2 Corinthians 13, 5. You can write them down. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, Galatians 6, 1 through 4, 1 Peter 4, 17, they all talk about judging ourselves. In 1 Peter 4, 17, I was going to read all of 1 Peter 4 today, but we don't got enough time. So I want to challenge you guys, when you go home today, before you go to bed, read 1 Peter 4, that's your homework. But in that chapter, in verse 17, it says, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God, and if it begins with us first, what will the, be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? You know, the dream that the Lord gave me with that fire, he's saying, listen, everything's going to go up in flames. The church is going is to feel it. We felt it when we had COVID. 
The whole world was changed during that time, and it was only a Braxton Hicks kind of birth pain. But there's more coming, friends. The Lord would not prepare us and tell us these things and urge us constantly to seek him, to remove the junk from our life, to pursue him with everything, to give him everything, to get into his presence as often as possible, to spend time with those other believers and fellowship with them and encourage them. He would not stir us and point us in this direction unless he was warning us of things to come because the church will not survive apart from the fire. We have to be connected to his fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were able to endure the persecution, the fire of that furnace because they were one with the fire. It is the only way that we will also endure the things of this world. It is the only way that you're going to be able to say, I do not agree with that. I'm a follower of Jesus. And when people come against you, there's a fly flying around my head. When people come against you, if you're not one with the fire, you're not going to be able to stand and you're going to, ah, I step back. I give in. Yeah, you're right. We need to be one with the fire. Number three, we need to embrace God's correction. Embrace it. Because in Hebrews 12, 5 through 8, Paul says, the Lord corrects those who are his children. Those who are not his children, he doesn't correct them. He corrects his children, his sons and his daughters. We need to embrace his correction. A prayer that I encourage all of us to pray is this. Father, do not take your correction away from me ever. Always correct me. I need your correction. Thank the Lord for his correction every day. So the Lord is calling us to purity. He's calling us to letting him refine us, to engaging in the refining process with everything that we have and letting him stir our hearts. I'll read this last dream. There's two parts I wanted to share from it. And then we'll close here. In January 10th, 2017, now this dream is was very, very vivid as well for me. Um, some of the things you might not understand because um, some of it had to do with the last days. And so but I want to focus on two specific parts. I'll just read you the whole dream. I just had another extremely vivid dream, so I'm writing this down. We were in a church about the same size as Real Life Assembly. I don't know if you've been to Real Life Assembly, but it's basically like the same size as this auditorium here. There were three sections of seats, I was in the front row, left section. My mom was there with my sister, Jessica. Also in the row behind was my Uncle Jim and my grandpa. I wasn't expecting to see my Uncle Jim. He was, a pretty, serious, he was pretty serious when I said hi. There were others in the church, and it was, but it wasn't packed out. The pastor was in the front row, center section. There was a woman who in the dream I knew, or I thought I knew, but now cannot remember who she is. There was also a man, and I knew he was not good. I was looking forward to the service starting. Again, this was vivid. I literally felt it was real. So as I waited for it to start, some type of argument transpired between the evil man and this woman. The woman got up and started walking out of the church. She was dressed in normal, fashionable clothes, wearing capris and a white blouse. As she was leaving, I looked to see what she looked like again, but as I looked, I could only see her back as she was almost to the back of the church. The building. When the service started and the pastor was on 
Then the service started and the pastor was on stage. I don't remember what he said, but the evil man got up and interrupted. He walked onto the stage and had a tall beaker-like glass, a long cylinder glass cup. It was filled with red liquid, and all of a sudden the, peop- the pastor realized who he was. A bed appeared on the left side of the stage, and it was facing the audience. The bed was beautiful and covered with purple, gold at the bottom of the covering. And the pastor, the pastor said something to the effect of, It's you, but in a way as to realize that it was the evil man who did something wrong. We were all wondering what the long glass was filled with. The pastor took the glass and poured it on the bed, and the bed went up in flames. Everyone was mesmerized. In the dream, I was trying to make sense of it all, and all of a sudden I said, it's the harlot. This is a reference to the revelation. Then I looked to my, to my mom on my right, and I shouted, it's the harlot. The harlot is burning. We started to leave in a rush, and then in my dream I woke up. So I'm still in my dream as I woke up. I thought I was awake, though. So I woke up outside of my parents' place. We lived in a double-wide mobile home in Knack Park, not too far from here. My car was in a rock driveway. Both of the other parking spaces were filled, and there was a van on the road behind those vehicles. I was very afraid and quickly ran to the door of the house. It was black outside. I used my key, and everyone was asleep when I got in. There was still terror on me in the dream, and even now I sense the fear as I recount it. I got into my room and set it up, and it was set up as it was when I was a kid. My brother was in his bed on the right side of the room. My bed was empty. Then all of a sudden it got dark, and I'm pulled out of the dream and am awake in my bed at 4 a.m. So the Lord gave me the interpretation of that. He said, the church is the church. The church is not full because many will leave the church. Your Uncle Jim and Grandpa being in the second row represent them already having passed. So my Uncle Jimmy had died in 2014. That's why I wasn't expecting him in the dream. You on the front row represents a first-hand look. Your uncle is serious because it's serious. It's a serious time and he knows what's going to happen having already passed on. The evil in the front is the Antichrist. The evil man is the Antichrist who is about to arise. The woman who gets in the argument and leaves represents the church who walks away. That's the point I wanted to make. The woman who gets in the argument and leaves represents the church who walks away. You don't know who she is because you don't know her. She is dressed fashionably because those that walk away will look like good Christians. The glass full of red liquid is the blood of the saints. The pastor recognizes the evil man because of the church because the church will know who it is. The bed is the harlot, as you state in the dream. The blood poured out on the bed that catches it aflame is my wrath upon the harlot. And this is the second part I want us to look at. You awake out of the dream, but still remain in the dream with fear and blackness, because for the world, this is what it will be, a terror upon man. You enter your house desperately and find it set up as your childhood, because people will wish for the past to return You are then pulled out of the dream because there is no going back to the past. It was very vivid because it is very real. There's going to come a time when the body of Christ, God is going to make it clear who are his and who are not. And the ones that are his are the ones that endure and let the Holy Spirit refine them with his fire and purify themselves to remain spotless. We need to do that. We need to do that because people are already wishing for the past. 
How many of you have ever said, man, I wish it was like 30 years ago. The world was a lot better place. You know? Those of us that grew up before the internet were like, man, I wish I could go back to then when I didn't have a cell phone connected to me and feel actually like I'm missing a limb if it's not around. We want to go back. People, after COVID, I just want it to be normal again. I just want it to be normal again. And so we're striving to get everything back to normal. But the Lord is going to come back at some point. And we had a firsthand look at what it, how easy the whole world can go into to hell in a handbasket. And so we need to purify ourselves. Lord, the, Pastor Jason, the Lord has given him visions as well. You know, he talked about the 100 by 20, having 100 different, like, churches, you know, 20 people in each one. Pastor Liz has been given the vision of, of uh, and we've had it confirmed a number of times, with just families all out in this, place, uh, this, this property and just kids running everywhere. You know, we just watched Sound of Freedom. What does the Lord want us to do as a church for these kids? Because we have plenty of kids in Erie. I'm not fluid on everything going on with all of that. But I know some of you are. And some of you have a great heart for kids, to have orphanages, to provide protection for them. We have the vision of that happening here. And, we've, and then the Lord has told Pastor Jason, you know, this is going to be a place marked by miracles. You know, those things cannot happen unless we just go all in. Jesus, light me up. Burn everything out of me that needs to be out of me. Till we fall on our faces and surrender. Till we come out and we say, hey, I'm struggling with this. I need some help. Let's get this out of me. Till we connect with each other and encourage one another. We need to do these things. And so I know I've gone a little bit longer than last time, but I just, the Holy Spirit is calling us. Wherever you are at in your faith, whether you're a new believer and you just started following Jesus or you've been a longtime faithful follower of Jesus, what does the Lord want to do in you? Today is the day. Surrender our hearts. Sydney, could you give me just some music? Let's just take a couple minutes and let's just start that process. Is anybody with me on that? Because the Lord has wonderful things for us. And as the world gets darker, we shine brighter. Amen? We shine brighter as the world gets darker. So let's stir our hearts this morning. Let's fan into flame the Holy Spirit inside of us. I'm going to pray a prayer. And then let's just take another five minutes or so. If you want to come up here and pray, you're welcome to. If you just want to stay in your seat, you're welcome to. Maybe the Lord wants you to write some things down on, a, on your notes or in a journal. But let the work, let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do today in you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Father, we surrender to you right now. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your fire, for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for bringing us to life and placing your flame inside of us. Lord, we hear your voice. We want to respond to your word, to your admonitions. 
Thank you, Lord, that you always come to us and you come to us and stir our hearts and convict our hearts, not with anger and disgust, but you come with peace and with life and with love and you say, hey, let's get this out of you. Father, we surrender right now to the Holy Spirit's convicting. Holy Spirit, we ask you to convict our hearts pinpoint. Show us the things that we need to begin getting out of our lives, the different areas, and show us the steps to take to remove them. Father, we come to you in repentance, changing our mind of the direction that we are going and setting our hearts on Jesus who died for our sins. We come to you in judgment of ourselves, not judging others, but judging ourselves before you purify us. We want your correction in our life, Jesus. We want your correction in our life. Holy Spirit, we want you. We want you. Speak to us now. Speak to us now, Lord. anybody here who does not know Jesus, who has not become one with God, and would like to receive Jesus, just please come on up here and we'll pray with you. We can come up at the end as well. If there's any of you that would like prayer for anything in particular, Concerning this message in the fire of God, please come on up front. Now, some of the, some leaders will come up here. Some of our group leaders will come up and pray with you. Father, we commit this day to you. We commit our hearts to you. We're ready. We want you want you more. Lord, do not let this word leave our hearts and minds. Let us be stirred to press into you, to let you refine us, Father. In Jesus' name.
Well, guys, I know the Lord has some wonderful things for us as a church. How many of you are ready to go out there and share it? The truth of God's love. You build those works of gold and silver and precious stones. You know, when we're building what we're building, those works, we're building the kingdom of God. When you read about what the kingdom of God looks like and the wall that surrounds the new Jerusalem that we're going to live in, I mean, the place is covered with gems and beautiful stones. The whole road is pure gold. I mean, we're building the kingdom of God. Just get ready because God's going to bring some fire here. He's going to do some amazing things. And I'm excited for it. So, All right, well, you guys are dismissed. Next week, Pastor Jason will be back. I don't know what attribute he's doing, but I know the Lord's got some amazing things that he wants to share. So be ready for next week. Love you guys. Thanks for listening for a little longer today.